In March 1973, Abdul Qayyum and his wife Rita went to a party at the house of Ralph and Lorraine Mertz. Abdul had just officially taken ownership of Mertz Apothecary, a neighborhood drugstore that had been in Ralph's family for almost a century, and they were marking the occasion with a small gathering. At the party, Mrs. Mertz gave Abdul a letter. Dear Abdul, even if we don't know each other personally, I take the liberty of delivering to you a little message over the phone. The letter was from Edmund Berg, a pharmacist and former longtime employee of Mertz Apothecary, who'd heard about the change in ownership. It made me happy to hear from Ralph himself a few weeks ago that he will not close his pharmacy after all, but that, luckily, he found as his successor a young gentleman who owns the knowledge and character traits to carry on the work in this old and distinguished pharmacy. As I have worked there for over 17 years, I know that one can work there with dignity and a high sense of accomplishment, and that makes a man happy. Welcome to The Distance, a podcast about long-running businesses. I'm Waylon Wong. On today's show, the story of how a young Pakistani immigrant saved a 98-year-old Swiss-German pharmacy and kept it going for another 42 years and counting. The Distance is a production of Basecamp, the leading project management app for keeping everyone on the same page. Last week, another 6,256 companies signed up to run their projects with Basecamp, and you can try it free for 60 days at basecamp.com slash the distance. Mertz Apothecary is 140 years old, and when you walk into its flagship store on Chicago's north side, you feel like you're stepping back in time. The facade is framed in wood and stained glass. Inside, there's a tin ceiling and a wooden U-shaped counter with glass display cases. It's easy to assume that this is how the shop looked in 1875, when Peter Mertz, a Chicago pharmacist, opened the drugstore to serve the needs of the European immigrants who lived in the area. But the original Mertz apothecary was actually a more modest shop, located further south in what was then a nondescript part of Chicago. That was the store that greeted Abdul Qayyum when he first visited on December 7, 1972, on the recommendation of a family friend. Somebody said to me, you must go talk to Mr. Mertz. He wants to sell the business. And I said, but I have no plan to be a pharmacist. I really don't want to buy a business. Well, she insisted, and she was older, an older person. And the way I was brought up was that you just kind of do what the older person says. Abdul was born in India shortly before the partition of 1947 created the border between India and Pakistan. His family moved to Pakistan, and he immigrated to the U.S. when he was 18, following a friend who had come to the States to study and enrolled in pharmacy school. Right finished in 1969, hated doing what I was doing because it was, it meant just pouring pills from a big bottle to a little bottle and just selling them and just didn't feel good to, to do that. And I had some knowledge of homeopathy and herbs because that's how I was raised with my family. My mother would give us, you know, this tea and that tea for coughs and laxatives and things like that. Abdul was so disenchanted with being a pharmacist that he had actually started going to law school, but he didn't like that either, and he had no interest in owning a pharmacy. But something happened when he visited Mertz Apothecary for the first time and met Ralph Mertz. Ralph was the third-generation owner and the second of three brothers. His siblings had moved on. One relocated to California, and another was an ophthalmologist on the verge of retirement. So Ralph was the only one left to run the pharmacy, and he was planning to close it at the end of December. 
Abdul decided that day he would take it. People still say, well, you must have known that you could do something with it. And I keep telling them that I think it was some sort of a divine intervention where I became a total brain-dead person who just decided I'm just going to do it because something was telling me to do it. And I said to him, within 15 minutes, I didn't even go home. So you can imagine, I don't know what I was thinking with a pregnant wife at home and, you know, just committed to, to saying, yes, I'll do it. It then turned out that Ralph Mertz's accountant, a kindly old man who helped put the deal together, lived two doors down from the house where Abdul and his wife had just moved. To Abdul, it seemed like another sign from the universe that he was meant to own the business, even though he came from a different cultural background than most of the customers. Ralph warned Abdul that he would see a 40% drop in business because the pharmacy's German customers would go elsewhere. Instead, Abdul increased sales in his first year. I don't know that I knew what I was doing, to be very honest, but it's just people that came into my life, like the person that we were buying the products from mostly, the German products, and, and the woman that was calling me to get the orders would say, well, you know, Abdul, Hermert used to buy this, and Hermert used to buy this, and I said, well, then send it. So she would send these products, and then next week she said, how did they do? I said, well, what am I they're all gone. <laughs> so instead of six, I would buy 12, you know, and it just kept going. The store's loyal customers had been so reliant on Ralph's advice that they would ask him to look at their x-rays. Abdul knew that kind of trust was important to keep the business growing, so he learned conversational German. I had talked to them on the phone, and they would walk in and they say, I want to talk to the guy that talked German to me on the phone. And I said, well, this is the only guy that's here. No, no, but he talked German. I said, and I started talking in German, and they couldn't believe it. Ralph stuck around to help Abdul with the transition. He originally planned to stay just three months, but ended up working for free for a year. The two men never got close. Abdul says Ralph, who died in 1997, was troubled by family issues and never really opened up to him. But he did provide a piece of advice that's been the foundation for how Abdul runs the business. Here's the story. It starts with a sales rep named Vern, who used to come around the shop. They would show look, there's a deal on Band-Aids today, you know. So you put them out and you get this discount and you can put a display out there and so So I I would make a little display outside of Band-Aids and, you know. So Mr. Merce comes in one day and says, what's all this? And I said, well... Warren was here and he told me we should get these and he said, he said, did you ever think about that down the street is Walgreens? You will never beat their prices on Band-Aids. And he said, let me tell you, he said, my whole concept of this business is we carry things that others don't carry. That's what we want to do. So we want to sell people what they have to come back to us to buy. Wow. What a lesson, right? Simple, but... Change know, a life. Change a life. <laughs> change my whole life, you know? And there's nobody better now than me and Anthony to find products. I mean, we just have a nose that just kind of leads us to different scents to find products now. Anthony, whose voice you just heard, is the oldest of Abdul's three sons. Abdul's wife, Rita, was pregnant with Anthony when he purchased Mertz. Today, Anthony is president of Mertz Apothecary and Small Flower, the company's catalog and e-commerce arm, 
which actually does more business than the physical stores. Some 2,000 packages get shipped every week during the regular season, with that number doubling during the holidays. Mertz hasn't filled traditional prescriptions for a long time, but it does carry 14,000 products, everything from loose-leaf teas to bath salts to vitamins to essential oils to herbal tonics. Abdul started with Caswell Massey soap and went from there. Pretty soon I just about started to buy everything and anything I could get a hold of. Soap was my passion. You know, I, I just loved soap, so I just would buy any and all the soaps. He's not giving himself enough credit because although he did, he wouldn't have used the term curator. He's a great curator of product and he's a lover of product. And that's still the thing that he loves the most about what we do is finding new products and discovering new brands and getting to know the owners. And so I know it wasn't all at once, but and it probably wasn't a grand vision, but there was a sense of yeah. He could see something and be like, that fits with what we do. You know, an apothecary is technically the pharmacy, a pharmacy in its true meaning, or a pharmacist. And now it's become kind of a hip word for meaning anything kind of crafty and for the body. But to me, Abdul, my dad developed the modern meaning of the apothecary, or what we do, which I think is when people come here, wherever they've been around the world, they say like, wow, now that's an apothecary. And you can come in and ask questions and we're going to have someone who knows about you know almost anything you ask and can give you guidance and i think that that's to me what the apothecary is and i think that you know it's equal parts great products and knowledge or is you know those are the two parts of the formula abdul was also savvy about showcasing his store's old world origins in 1982 when he moved mertz to its current location in the historically german neighborhood of lincoln square he hired an Austrian architect to create a space that would evoke nostalgia for a turn-of-the-century European pharmacy. I've never been to Vienna. I said to him, build me something that would be like in Vienna 100 years back in time. Now, why would I say that? <laughs> you know, but I said it, and he came up with this, what you see downstairs, and everybody goes, wow, who came up with it? Last year, Mertz took over the space next door and opened a store with a more modern aesthetic called Q Brothers, which sells mostly men's shaving and grooming products. Our men's business was blowing up at MERS, yet there were still so many people who would walk by and be like, oh, that, that, farm, that bath and body shop or that, that cosmetic, the, that, that shop where my wife always goes or whatever. And I just felt like here we have an opportunity to call out something. Clearly, like guys need a knock upside the head sometimes or like a, a, you know, something in their face to tell them, hey, we have this as well. Perhaps what's most striking about Mertz's new business is that for the first time, the Kayum family name is officially part of the brand. Q Brothers is named for Anthony and his younger siblings, who work in the Chicago art scene. Here we get to bring our family in, and the Q Brothers are three real brothers raised by our parents, you know, and we're, we all live here in the neighborhood, and my brothers perform under that moniker, you know, uh, that's their performance name for the work that they do in, in theater and music, and so... Everyone was calling us that already, and it felt like, shouldn't we continue to make this authentic and about real people? Abdul and Anthony also have a smaller store at the Palmer House Hilton in downtown Chicago. Their flagship on the city's north side is still very much a neighborhood store, bringing in locals who have shopped there for decades, bartenders seeking hard-to-find herbs and bitters for trendy cocktails, and European transplants looking for products from their childhood. I asked Abdul if he still uses his German. Oh, all the time, yeah. We're still the Deutsche Apotheke in the country, so that's, that's always the case. 
It's not uncommon for us to have a busload of Germans from Milwaukee coming in in a bus. Seriously, you know, that happens several times a year. So you don't have as many Germans coming over like you did one, in one time. It's becoming a smaller percentage of the overall customer base. But then you have this whole second wave of European immigrants who came in the past 20, 30 years. And a lot of those are Eastern European immigrants for whom German products were like the gold standard. So what's happened is a lot of, you know, you have the Serbo-Croatian, former Yugoslavian countries, Romania, Bulgaria, Hungary, you name it, Polish, of course, Ukrainian, like there, there's so many people who are coming in and there's a lot of them in Chicago and around the country who want uh, the German soaps, the German shower gels, the German herbs, you name it. You stand here on a Saturday and you hear your customers thanking you for allowing them to come here and shop and they bring their relatives, friends, visitors. God, I said, how lucky I am, you know? Yeah. I could cry about that because it's like I, I make a great living. I send my kids to best schools and, and we all live very comfortably. And on top of it, people thank you for it, you know? And so, you enjoy it. And I enjoy it, yeah. So I said, how, how much more reward can you get out of your life, you know? The letter that Edmund Berg, the old pharmacist who wrote Abdul to congratulate him on succeeding Ralph Mertz, is hanging on the wall of Anthony's office. Abdul's wife Rita had it framed and gave it to Abdul for Christmas many years ago. He doesn't remember reading it the first time, back in 1973, but when he read it again that Christmas, he cried. It still makes him cry. You will soon have the feeling that this pharmacy is a necessity for, and I do not exaggerate, hundreds of families you will feel that there is, yes, that there is some nobility in the widest sense of the word in the type of work you will be doing. The great English poet Alfred Tennyson once wrote, in quotes, better not to be at all than not to be noble, end quote. When the time for your retirement, many years from now, will come, may your harvest be this feeling. May you stay healthy and happy in this type of work for many decades, many decades to come, surrounded by your loved ones and by devoted co-workers. This is my wish for you today. God bless you. The Distance is produced by Sean Hildner and me, Waylon Wong. You can stay in touch with us on Twitter at DistanceMag, that's at DistanceMag, or by signing up for our newsletter at thedistance.com. The Distance is a production of Basecamp, the leading project management app for keeping everyone on the same page. Give Basecamp a try for your own projects at basecamp.com slash thedistance.